looking forward to that. All right, so now it's time for the word of God. I uh, am so excited to have this next teacher come up and teach. Uh, she's been teaching in a lot of different places, but we've been kind of like, I don't know what's been going on. She hasn't taught here yet. Um, but she is such a gifted and beautiful woman and powerful woman of God. She, y'all, ain't she? Listen, she has a call on her life to speak truth to power and a special anointing to do it in a way that other people cannot. She can see the other clearly, but knows how to stay in the lane that God has put her. I just, I mean, she just is a gift. She's been a dear friend to me. She loves God. She loves God's word. Um, and she's like really funny and, um, I like her a lot. So you guys come, Elena, come on up and bring us the word of God. We're going to pray for her. Uh, Father, thank you for our dear sister, for your daughter and our dear sister, Elena. Spirit of God, you have the words of life. Would you speak through this woman of God? Stretch yourself out in her. God, I pray that our hearts would be soft to hear your word and that we would not harden our hearts when you call us into deeper and greater obedience. You are the exalted one. This time is about you. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Good afternoon. Thank you, Aaron, for that extremely lofty like recommendation. Now I feel like I have really big shoes to fill. So I think that at this point you should be expecting to laugh raucously throughout my sermon um, to have like this amazing word. So please lower your expectations. But I am really, really grateful to be um, preaching here for the first time. This is actually like one of those nerdy dreams of mine. And you relate, right? So uh, this is the first place that I've been consistently a part of where I've seen women preach consistently. And that's been a really amazing thing for me. And I will say that a few years ago, I never would have even thought about preaching. Um, not that I didn't believe I could, but I just never thought about it. And so I think... I think people like Aaron and others here who have really encouraged me to do that and for this opportunity today. I also ask you to bear with me. I have a cold. So if I sound stuffy, you're not imagining it. <laughs> um, also, I want to just shout out to Brooke, the slide lady for today. Yep. <laughs> I've lived a lot of my life behind that computer. And so I'm just super grateful for her. Also, she was my roommate for a long time. Um, so now I want to invite you to stand for the reading of the word. This is a really long one today. Please read with me. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Um, that your word speaks to us, that it always gives us insight um, as to who you are and who we are and how you want us to live in the world. And Lord, I just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear from you. And I ask, um, Lord, that you would speak through me that the words that you don't have for me to say that we would just forget. And that whatever you have to speak to us today would come out and that we'd be able to hear and follow up in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, so we have been in this series for a while, the Supreme series, and today we are looking at these two verses through the theme of a supreme foundation, a supreme foundation. And today we've already sung all these songs declaring basically that Jesus is the supreme foundation of our lives. And my goal today is not to try to persuade you that that's true. Instead, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit declare that to us. Instead, we are going to take that as a given. Jesus is the supreme foundation. What are we doing about that? And how are we being brought off track from actually living as if Jesus was the supreme foundation of our lives? So in these two verses, we know a few things pretty simply. One is that that Paul is exhorting the Christians in Colossae to build upon the supreme foundation which they've received. They've already received the gospel. They've received Christ Jesus as Lord. Two, they've been living in the light of that truth. It's, they've already started doing it. Three, they're actually rooted in Christ. So there's some longevity here. And then four, Paul has some very simple instructions for them. One, he, wa- he wants them to continue to build upon Christ. And that Christ is the supreme foundation of their life. So he wants them to continue living that way and not get distracted. So this is a simple message, but I don't think it's an easy message. Uh, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. I remember going to this training with Erebon, and they were giving us these examples of simple things we could practice, but that were going to be pretty hard to do. And he, the teacher gave an example from his own life about losing a lot of weight in the past few years. And he said, the past few years, I've lost a lot of weight. For years, I made all kinds of excuses why I couldn't lose weight and kept looking for the magic solution that would make it easy. But it turns out I've always known how to do it. It's a simple combination of diet and exercise. The reason I didn't lose weight for so many years is not because I didn't know how to. It was because it was hard. And now I realize that's not everybody's story. This is this guy's story. But what he was saying is after years and years, he'd always known how to do it, but he hadn't. And it wasn't because it wasn't worth it at the end. It was just that it was hard. Similarly, the message I have for you today is simple, but not easy. It's a simple message because we are declaring that Jesus is the supreme foundation upon which we can build our lives. It is a secure foundation. It won't fail us. If we build upon it, our lives will bear fruit. And all we have to do is tear out our old foundation, build a new one that's based upon Christ, and start building. That's all we have to do, but obviously that's not easy, or else our lives would look a lot better than they currently do. (laughs) Because there are a lot of different temptations that keep us from actually treating Jesus as the supreme foundation of our lives. And so today I'm going to talk about a few ways that we go off track. A few, like three different temptations that keep us from actually building upon Christ as the supreme foundation. But first, let's look back at this passage and see where we're coming from. What, what was the Colossian church dealing with? So I'm going to read it one more time. Um, it says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to build your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I feel like Paul seems really confident that the Colossians have a secure foundation that's deeply rooted in Christ, and I actually find that a little bit surprising. 
because the book of Colossians has a lot of stuff about these different false teachings that are coming into the church and the danger that that's posing to the Christians there. And these false teachings are leading the believers to question the supremacy of Christ. But here, Paul seems pretty confident that the believers have not, things have not gone too far yet, that they're still rooted in Christ and it's not too late to keep going. The Colossians were taught the knowledge of Christ. They've already started building their lives. And Paul wants them to continue with confidence rather than questioning their foundation and trying to add things to it to make it better. And so I looked up some of the false teachings that were being introduced to the church. And um, I got this word associated with them, which is Gnosticism, that these heresies were related to that. And Gnosticism comes from the Greek word for knowledge. I'm not going to go far into it because I don't think I fully understand what Gnosticism is. But it's got a whole lot of different parts to it, and a lot of them are about how we think about things, wanting extra knowledge, making this division between the spiritual world and the physical world and what we can know. And so these teachings undermine the gospel in several ways, but there's one that's important for us, that there was this teaching going around that there's a special knowledge that was hidden from most believers. There is a special revelation that a few people had, but most of them didn't have, and that that was going to like reveal something special to them that they needed. So what was happening in the church was that the believers in Colossae were looking for something extra. They had started to believe that the supreme foundation that they'd been given was not enough, and they needed to seek some special revelation. They were doubting, basically, whether the supreme foundation was good enough. And Paul counters this quite simply by affirming that they were given all the knowledge they need and no critical insights about God have been denied to them. Now, this verse touches on this, uh, these verses, if we read them, but I think the message version confronts this a lot more clearly. So I'm going to read that version for us. And this, Paul says, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into Thanksgiving. It's a lot more obvious in here, right? In this translation, there's a lot going on about what they already know and what they need. And Paul is saying, stop studying and start doing something with what you've been given. So I feel like clearly in this passage, we see that the Colossians are in danger of being distracted. And they feel like they need something more to add to the gospel. And Paul says, quit it. You've got what you need. And so if I could like meme his message to them, I think it would be this. Keep calm and keep on keeping on. Keep calm and keep on keeping on. Like, don't get distracted. Just keep doing what you've already been doing, and it's not going to go off path. It's a word. So, you know, we can make some t-shirts with this or something. <laughs> so let's talk about three different temptations that the church can experience, or us as Christians can experience. And I think the first is the one that's encountered by the Colossians. Because like the Colossians, we can relate to them in certain ways. We have access to the supreme foundation, just like they did. 
Many of us, though not all of us, have been taught the knowledge of Christ and have experienced a conversion to the way of Christ. We have the knowledge that we need. We've started to build our lives with a new understanding of reality where Christ is the supreme foundation. And the temptation that the Colossians are facing with is this temptation to try and add something to the foundation. They're tempted to build what would be, in essence, an inferior foundation, a foundation of Jesus plus something. Now, I don't know what that something is for you, but for them it was this extra knowledge. There was some kind of knowledge that they needed. Regardless, it's a temptation that is stemmed from a belief that we, what we've been offered isn't enough, and we need something else to try and make it better. So it's actually decreasing our worth of what we think God is offering us. And so if we look at that story of the, the trainer that talked about his weight loss journey, um, he was waiting for this secret ingredient that would make it easy for him. We might also be waiting for that secret, secret information that's going to make everything easier. We want to have something to add because the way of Jesus feels like a hard road to walk. Sometimes it feels really hard and we're hoping to make something, to find something to add that's going to make it sound like better news. But when we try to add to the supreme foundation, we're declaring that we know better than God. That's kind of serious. We're declaring that we know better than God, and if we look at Scripture, we can go back to this problem right at the fall. Right when Adam and Eve, they're in this amazing garden with everything they needed, good and plentiful fruit that tasted good, it didn't all taste the same, they're literally like walking in the garden with God, have easy access to everything that they need, and yet the serpent persuaded them that God was withholding something good from them. And they wanted that one thing, that they thought was going to make it better. What God had given them wasn't enough, and they desired something more. But that something more that they wanted was not going to give them life. It was just going to make everything fall apart. What we need is the supreme foundation on its own. So that's the first temptation, to try and add something. But I think more of us actually deal with a slightly different temptation. I think if we all got in some small groups and talked about it, most of us would agree to declare that Christ is the supreme foundation. That's what we believe. But if you look at our lives, we treat the supreme foundation like a supreme addition. We treat the supreme foundation like a supreme addition. And this made me think of a house that I used to live in. Brooke and I used to live in this house on 38th Street. She still does. And right before we moved into it, the owners had... Like, they'd reworked the house and added an addition to the back. And it was like an extra bedroom. It was my bedroom. And let me tell you, it was a supreme addition. It was a supreme addition because it was not only a spacious room. It had nice new floors, a good closet space. The walls were nicely painted. But also, the walls were made of something different than the rest of the house. The rest of the house were like cinder block walls with plaster and during the winter, you could feel the cold just, like, coming through the walls. It was, I was always under, like, multiple blankets. It was uncomfortable. But also, in my room, it was really hot because the thermostat just kept working and working and working, trying to, like, warm up the rest of the house while pumping air into the new addition to the house. It got, like, really hot, and it was kind of awkward. Like, the supreme, the supreme addition to the house was good, but... 
It didn't all fit together, and it ended up being expensive and a little weird. Really, the whole place needed reworking so that it would be consistent. It needed to be built from a unified plan that could function the way it was intended to. See, when we treat Christ as a supreme addition rather than the supreme foundation, we minimize the ability for God to transform our lives. We might experience some of those blessings of God's presence, but they're incomplete. When we have that addition, we're like, this is amazing. Why didn't I make my whole house like this? It's going to be so much better. And so trying to add to Christ to our lives instead of submitting to Christ's transformative plan is going to be awkward. We will not show the fruit of a life built on the supreme foundation. And what is that worth? Furthermore, I think it's much more possible and likely for us to give into this temptation than it was for the believers in Colossae. And the reason I think that is because converting to Christ looked really different for the Colossians than it does for us as Americans in 2019. If we consider their context, as soon as someone accepted Christ, they would have become a a persecuted religious minority in the Roman Empire. And with that change of accepting Christ, they had radical life change with immediate political, economic, and social ramifications. Everything about their life would have looked different. But here, because Christianity in America is seen as generally fitting into mainstream culture, we can get away with emphasizing a spiritual transformation without exploring how our conversion can and should affect all the other facets of our life. We're just, we aren't encouraged to think about it because we don't have to. But the believers in Colossae didn't have that option. When they accepted Christ, it was an all or nothing kind of thing. When they accepted Christ, they left their old lives in a very tangible way, not just the kind of way where where we talk about, like, I'm a new person, but like they literally, everything looked different. And they had to start to build a new life out of their new reality. And all they had to do that off of was the supreme foundation, which is Christ. They didn't have, as a result, the same kind of dysfunction that develops when you relegate the transformative power of Christ to only specific segments of your life. So it makes sense that they had this temptation to try and add something to it, but the option of just minimizing it and having it as a special thing that they added on just wasn't a reality. And I think that's a really big risk for us. And that brings me to the third temptation, which is connected. Um, The third temptation is to avoid the work of deconstructing. It's really tied to laziness. And we want to start building without tearing down the old structures and the old foundation. But if we believe that Christ is actually the supreme foundation, we can't get anything better we should expect to completely restructure our lives. To build on a new foundation means that we have to tear down the old structure first so that we can lay a new foundation and then start building. That's just how it works. And I was trying to think of an example to teach this with, and I'm a big fan of the NBC comedy, The Good Place. Does anybody else watch this? Okay, a few of my friends. My friends watch it. (laughs) Um, It's a good show. I highly recommend it, especially if you like 
to somehow fit in a lot of philosophical conversations into a 20-minute comedy, this is a show for you. But um, it also has a lot of uh, plot twists, so I'm going to try and not give things away. Anyways, Kristen Bell, otherwise known as Eleanor Shellstrop, is a character in the show, and she has a near-death experience where she decides to change her life and become good. And there's a few things that she does right off the bat. She decides to quit her job where she's been selling fake drugs for sick people. Great job, right? And um, she starts a new position trying to choose something that seems like a good job. And she's like doing this advocacy work for clean energy. Uh, but there's all these other things that are still in her life that are starting to drag her down. For one, she has these terrible roommates who are always trying to encourage her to do things that are really self-centered and really destructive, and she's still living with them. And over time, she starts to feel convicted about some of the ways she's harmed them in the past, and she decides to come clean to one of her roommates and tell her how she's harmed them. And the roommate doesn't take it well. She gets really mad, kicks her out of the house, and all of a sudden, Eleanor is having a hard time. She doesn't have a place to live. There's all these financial issues that are coming, and everything is a bit discouraging. Over time, being good doesn't seem rewarding enough. And she starts to ask, is it really worth it? And she lets one of her friends convince her that choosing self-gratification is better than trying to be good. She's so tired and discouraged that she starts to sink back into her old way of living. And what I see with this example is she had the desire to change her life, but she didn't deconstruct her previous life. Both some of the physical things in her life, like her roommates, but also some of these mental things, things that she had idolized, like being able to live completely self-centeredly. And so she just, when the going got rough, she fell back into a self-centered life because it seemed easier and more gratifying. What she needed was to root herself into a new purpose for life, deconstruct the lies that told her that her self-centered living was best so that it could stick. And the fact is, we're offered a much stronger foundation than Eleanor's abstract desire to be good. She was kind of just trying to figure out whatever she could from that. But we have everything that we need. But if we aren't strongly rooted, we can become just as discouraged as Eleanor and find ourselves tempted to return to the old patterns of life. And this made me think about the parable of the sower, which I think is a familiar one to most of us. Far, the farmer whose God is described as sowing seed, scattering it all over these different parts of the land. Some falls on the rock. Uh, I mean, some falls on the path and birds come and eat it. Some falls on the rock and it grows up quickly, but the roots aren't able to go deeply. Some falls on the thorny ground and it grows, but the weeds choke it out. And then some falls on good soil and it grows and becomes deeply rooted and bears a lot of fruit. And I thought specifically about the seed that's sown on the thorny ground. And here's how Jesus describes that. He explains it. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The Let's see, what was that? Um, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. Do any of us relate to those things? Yes. 
Those are very significant things that come in all of our lives. And this is exactly what happened to Eleanor. She started to have some worries. She had financial troubles and relational problems. And she started to want some different things. She wanted to um, live life the way that she wanted to. And it stopped her from growing. I think this is happening to us all the time. And I think our culture has made us especially prone to this. So for those of you who don't know, I'm in grad school right now, and I'm in my last semester working on my master's thesis. Thank you. And I'm trying to write something that I'll make into a book. And that's a whole other story. I'm stressed about it all the time. But I just finished writing this chapter on idols of society, talking about different things that we've exalted in society that distract us from being able to live in the freedom of salvation. I think these things are actually making it impossible for us to recognize God's word as good news, which is a pretty big problem. That's the kind of reason why we don't make Christ the actual supreme foundation of our life. And so some of those things I talk about are individualism, materialism, and comfort. And I think we've built our lives upon these idols, and they're in conflict with the supreme foundation. And we can't just start building without doing the work of being delivered from those idols. If we're not delivered from them, if we don't deconstruct them, we're going to be tempted to return to them when we get discouraged. And part of this process is realizing these idols were never intended to save us or to serve us. They're only intended to harm us. If we want a life of flourishing, we need a much better foundation. And that foundation is Jesus. So tonight, I have a few words of challenge for you, but they aren't all the same, because I think we have people from a lot of different places and stations in their faith in this room. So listen and start to think and discern, where are you? What is God challenging you to do today? So for some of you, I think that you might just now be learning about Christ and are in the process of building a foundation. My word for you is this. Jesus is the supreme foundation. Choose him. The world is going to offer you many different foundations for your life that you can build upon. Some of those are going to be based on those idols of society. And it's possible you've already built your foundation on some of those lies. You know what the fruit of that is. There is only one foundation that will bring life, and that is Jesus. Choose him. Others of you in this room are more like the Colossians. You've accepted Christ as the supreme foundation of your life. You've already started building. You've been doing this for a while. My word for you is this. Continue to build upon the foundation. Don't get distracted. Keep on keeping on. Live out of the freedom of salvation and build upon God's promises. You all are really important for this congregation because your lives are evidence of the supreme foundation. For those of us who have not yet started building, we can look at you and say, that looks like a life worth living. Help us see what an abundant life looks like. And then finally, I expect that many of us are not like the Colossians. We're not yet deeply rooted in Christ. We may have accepted Jesus, asked the Supreme Foundation, but are continuing to build our lives from something else. Perhaps it's a foundation of Jesus plus something. Or maybe we're choosing to think of Jesus as the supreme addition instead of the supreme foundation. Or maybe we're being lazy 
We haven't done the work to deconstruct the lies that keep us from living in the freedom of salvation. So here's my word for you. Stop settling for less. If you want a life of flourishing, build your life upon the supreme foundation. You can improve it. Anything you add just weakens it. Submit yourself to the supreme foundation and begin to truly live. Will you pray with me? Lord, we declare that you are the supreme foundation. Everything that we try to put in that place will not produce the results that we want. Lord, would you be at work in our hearts and our minds, changing what we think of as the goals and the purpose of our lives, Lord, that we may be converted to your way, that we can see the that we can see your gospel as good news instead of being distracted from these lies that tell us that we need something more, something different, that you're just a good addition to our lives. Lord, all of these things that we might try to do to make things easier are not going to make things good. So God, I just pray that we would not um, hesitate to take this opportunity to hear from you. Lord, that you would speak to us about how you want to become more centered in our lives and the gifts and the blessings that we can have by actually treating you as our supreme foundation. Lord, would your spirit speak and work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.